Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, what's up, y'all? Welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo. Today, you're listening on the Believe Network, and Yannick Sinner is on top of the tennis world as we speak. What an amazing Australian Open by the young Italian. What an amazing final between Yannick Sinner and Daniil Medvedev. But after five sets of work, Yannick Sinner comes out on top and gets his first ever major Grand Slam title, and he is the champion down under at the Australian Open. There's a lot to unpack in this episode. We're going to talk about the final. We're going to talk about the women's final, but we're really going to talk about the history that is being made by Yannick Sinner. What an incredible match. It was fun to watch. It was interesting. There's some tactics and some different things that went into this match, and it was honestly kind of nice to not have... I hate to say it, but not have Novak in a final because I feel like when Novak's in a final, you're kind of ex- you know what to expect, right? We've become so cus- accustomed to what Novak can do in a final, and now Alcaraz, what they can do in Medvedev. But it was so cool to see a new face in a final that is Yannick Sinner, and he came out a little shaky. He didn't play great right away. He actually lost the first two sets. Roars back, wins the third, wins the fourth, wins the fifth to claim the Australian Open final. Now, when you're looking at this match. And the magnitude of a final, let alone the magnitude of a final considering the tournament and the really difference of tournaments that these two players have had. On Yannick Sinner's side, not a lot of time on court he has spent, and he's only lost a set leading into the Australian Open final. So pretty refreshed, I would say, as he plays his seventh match of the tournament at the Australian Open. When you look at Daniil Medvedev, this entire tournament was an absolute grind for Medvedev. It's the second major final that he's lost, leading two sets to none, crushing. He played 31 sets at the U.S. Open. That's the most by any player in the Open era, era. and he also spent more than 24 hours on the court this tournament. Four five-set matches he had leading into the final. Don't forget that match he had against Rusevori in the early rounds where he played until 3.40, 3.45 a.m. in the morning. The toll, the taxing on Medvedev's body and mind through the last 15 days, the last two weeks, was way more than Yannick Sinner. And I think you started to see that in the fourth and in the fifth set. He started trying to break down a little bit, right? His body and his everything just started to slow down a little bit. He was trying to, especially in the fifth set when I was watching that, like he was trying to end points pretty early, you could tell. That's because he didn't have much left in the tank. Like when he says, I left it all out there, this dude played four five-set matches in the Australian Open. Four. That is more than half of his matches at the Aussie Open were five sets, which means they were probably four hours or longer or around the four-hour mark, including one that ended you know, damn near as the sun came up in Australia. This was a grind for Daniil Medvedev. And as much as it is exciting that Yannick Sinner won the Australian Open, Daniil Medvedev, that is tough. It sucks the way he's been. He's lost some of these finals because he is really good. He plays a great. He plays a great brand of tennis, and he continues to get to this point. So heartbreaking loss. Um, Daniil Medvedev. He just became the first man to lose two Grand Slam finals from two sets to zero up. Uh, one he was against Rafael Nadal, and this one was against Yannick Sinner, and that is his sixth Grand Slam final. I mean. 
he he's been through the ringer when it comes to finals and I don't want to get too you know down in the dumps or or talk a little bit more about Medvedev because he did have a great tournament and I'm not making excuses for him and I don't want to dig too far into it but what Daniil Medvedev did at this tournament has to be applauded and has to be applauded as he continues to make it to these you know grand slam finals and the finals of these matches because he deserves the you know the highest spot in this sport and he's damn near there every single tournament his consistency he's not Novak he's not Alcaraz he's not Sinner but his consistency to get to the top is very very impressive but let's talk about the dude that actually won the tournament Yannick Sinner what an incredible incredible tournament the 22 year old becomes the third ever Italian man to win a Grand Slam first since 1976 the country of Italy is celebrating this morning I saw that there was kind of a joke in the post-match press conference with Daniil Medvedev that said Yannick Sinner beat the entire Russian team to win the Aussie Open. Yeah, he beat Hachinov, and then he beat Andrei Rublev, and then he beat Daniil Medvedev. I mean, what an incredible tournament by Yannick Sinner, and I think I've said that already four times, but for him to win this tournament, he played great at the end of last year, right? But it never seemed like Yannick could get over the hump. He always lost to somebody on his way there, whether it was Sferov at the U.S. Open last year, whether it was Alcaraz or Djokovic or Nadal or whoever it was. It always seems like the second week of slams came, and he was always there, but it never really seemed like he was going to come out on top. And now he finally does. And I think he's the most deserving winner down under at the Australian Open. I, I don't think there's anybody that deserved to win this tournament more. Maybe, you know, Medvedev, you could argue, because of what he went through. But the dominance that Yannick Sinner showed throughout this entire tournament was unmatched. The 22-year-old has also won 10 of his past 11 matches against top five opponents after beating Daniil Medvedev in the final. Losing one set to get to the final, so he lost three sets the entire Australian Open. That is sheer dominance. You look at his last four matches at the Aussie Open, Hachinov, Rublev, Djokovic, Medvedev. These aren't easy dudes to beat, and he beat them. The first two handily, and then he made Djokovic not look great. Some of that was on Djokovic, but most of that was you know him playing really, really well. That is the dominance that Yannick Sinner showed at the Australian Open. He, he looked a little tight early, right? He loses the first two sets, and he didn't look fantastic. A little tight, little nerves. It, was, it, it looked a lot different than a semifinal. A semifinal, he was locked and loaded, and he would really play good tennis. He didn't make a lot of misses, and he hit his spots. Well, in the first two sets, in the final, it didn't look great. Like, Medvedev was playing well, and I think Medvedev kind of came out with a different tactic that Sinner might not have been ready for. Like I said, Medvedev had put a lot of time on his feet. He had over 24 hours of court time over the course of the seven matches he played at the Australian Open. So, there was a lot of time on his feet, and therefore, I don't think he wanted to make this match very long. It ended up going damn near four hours. However, I think early on, he was really, really aggressive. And Yannick Sinner was caught a little bit off guard. And then Sinner starts to ease in. He starts to get comfortable. He starts to get ready. And he makes a huge comeback in the third, uh, in the fourth, in the fifth, and gets crucial, crucial breaks, especially in the third and fourth, and then an early break there in the fifth to claim the Aussie Open title. I don't know what else to say about, uh, about Yannick Sinner. He, he deserves this. He played so well this tournament. He was fun to watch. And... This is kind of the feeling I got around like Carlos Alcaraz when he won his U.S. Open, where I was like, I just don't see who can beat Carlos Alcaraz. This tournament, I just didn't know who could beat Yannick Sinner. And 
the whole tournament I felt that way. Watching him in every round, it was like, this dude is a dog right now. Like this, this dude isn't going to be beat at this tournament. He's so locked in. He's playing so well. He's hitting his spots, and he's doing it. Um, you don't see a lot of emotion out of Yannick Sinner throughout really anything, interviews, whatever the case may be. You don't see a lot of emotion out of it, and you know it's kind of cool to see him relax a little bit, smile after after the match, and his post match comments toward you know the fans and everybody back home he said something really special I think and I think this is going to kind of relay through the sports world and I really hope it does he mentioned how his parents he wishes everybody could have his parents because his parents allowed him to kind of just find success through life and I want to read this quote that he says because I think it's important for the world of sports right now and that's why I think the guy who's at the on the biggest stage of one of the biggest global sports says this after winning such a magnificent tournament. He says, I wish everybody could have my parents because they always let me choose whatever sports I wanted to. I played other sports and they never put pressure on me. I wish the freedom was possible for any or for as many young kids as possible. He goes on to mention in his post-match press conference, he says, uh, I went away from home when I was 14 years old, so I had to grow up fast, trying to cook for myself, trying to do laundry. Uh, it was first time kind of for everything. It was tough for him, but for the parents to leave their son at 14 years old, it's also not easy. They always gave me, they put, they never put pressure on myself, which for me is maybe the key why I'm here today. I'm a very quite relaxed man who just enjoys to play tennis. I'm 22 years old, so I also enjoy a lot of normal stuff, but that's it. They are the perfect parents. And then he said, obviously, I only know them, but they're awesome. I think in today's day and age, I I feel like, especially in, in young, young athletes, there's a lot of pressure from their parents. Um, their parents will spend a lot of money. They'll send their kids to certain camps, and a lot of it is for these kids to be successful and the parents get really into it. And I'm not blaming, I'm not a parent, but from covering sports and being around sports my whole life, I was lucky enough to have parents that didn't put a lot of pressure on me. And in a day and age where it's not necessarily the cool thing to be a multi-sport athlete, you should focus on one sport so you can get a division one scholarship and go pro. And everybody seems to be focused on that. Not everybody, but a lot of people seem to be focused on that for Yannick Sinner, just to be like, my parents let me be a kid. And then at 14, they realized I was really good. And you know, this is the path we chose, but there was never pressure on me to be, you know, the best or the greatest or something really special. It was just, you know, I really wanted to play tennis. And so that's what I did. Truly, truly special, I think. And for somebody on this stage to say that, I think should echo through the entire sports world. And I think it should mean a lot to a lot of people because um, sometimes people in the world get trapped in their bubble and put a lot of pressure on athletes, young, young athletes. And I think a lot of athletes when they're younger forget to just be young and enjoy life at that age. So I really hope this rings true to a lot of people and I really hope a lot of people listen to it because once again, to hear someone say it at that level, is amazing. Yannick Sinner's first ever Grand Slam title. He did it at the Australian Open down under. What an incredible tournament. And that's going to be it for the men's final because I could talk about the men's side of the bracket forever. Djokovic, the big four. Um, it was the first time since, I believe, 2005 that uh, it was a long time. But I believe it was 2005, the first time that someone other than the big three was playing in the Aussie Open final, which is 
I mean, that just speaks to the dominance that the big three have had throughout their time. Yeah, first Australian Open final to not feature one of the big three since 2005. Man, I was right, right off the top of my dome. That was pretty impressive. But that stat in itself is shows you where tennis has been for the last 20 years. And we're starting to get a new age of tennis. We're starting to, you know, turn the page of the big three. Rafa didn't play in the Aussie Open. Djokovic fell in the semifinals. Now, is father time getting to him? I don't know. That's a conversation for another time since we have four months until Roland Garros. But this is something to think about. This is something to consider. And... This is something that's definitely going to be a conversation as we move forward in this 2024 season. But Yannick Sinner, he's the youngest Australian Open champion, I believe, since Novak Djokovic did it 10, 15-something years ago. So hats off to Yannick Sinner. Thanks for an incredible tournament. I loved watching Yannick Sinner this tournament. I loved watching Medvedev, what he did. Zverev played great. Djokovic played great. Alcaraz played you know, pretty good. Not up to, the I don't think, the standard Alcaraz wants, but... Still a great, great tournament on the men's side to watch. And I'm so happy that these last two weeks are over because I just want some sleep. I'm so t- It's Sunday. It's the day, you know, the tournament ended this morning. I watched most of it this morning, and I am exhausted. I'm tired. So I'm, gl- I'm glad the tournament's over, but let's talk about the women's side. Arena Sabalenka gets a straight set win in the women's final at the Australian Open against Jinwen Zheng, and it didn't even really seem close. Um, and and that's that's no you know, that's no slight or stab at, at Zhang, but Arena Sabalenka is in a category of her own. And I said it from the beginning that I think the the finals in this tournament was really Coco Goff and Arena Sabalenka in the semifinals. And especially with the inexperience, once Iga Sviatek got out and everything in the top side of the bracket, once you got to the quarterfinals and the semifinals, I didn't really think anybody was going to beat Sabalenka, and it seemed to be true. Back-to-back titles for Arena Sabalenka, and she kind of was the same way, honestly, that Yannick Sinner was in this tournament where you watch, and you're just like, I don't know who's going to beat this person. They're playing so well. They're playing so consistent, and they're playing so dominant. I don't see somebody beating this human, and that was kind of how it was for Sabalenka. Um, She deserves it. She's fun to watch. She's kind of in her window right now, so I wouldn't be surprised if she gets another one or two at you know in the 2024 season just because that's how dominant she's playing she's fun to watch she plays so aggressive and she plays so tough and I think that's why people are having such a hard time beating her uh you forget Coco Goff so young in the semifinals Coco Goff loses to Sabalenka and afterwards she goes you know I'm still trying to you know take these experiences and it's like yeah I forget how young you are Coco but Arena Sabalenka what an incredible tournament for her what a fun player to watch every tournament because she seems to step up to the big stage and she murders the tennis ball like she hits the ball so hard and that's part of the reason I love watching her is because she's so powerful and she like Coco can hang with her and that's why her and Coco have really good matches but she has that she brings that power and that grit uh that Serena once brought which is so fun to watch I think for fans and off the court she just seems like such a quiet human right which is so cool to see how competitive you know, competitiveness can take over a human and really get them in a different state of mind when they get on the court. And that's exactly what Arena Sebalenka does. So Sebalenka is the title winner on the women's side. Let's get to some quick doubles. Uh, Rohan Bopana and Matthew Ebden won the doubles title on the men's side. And they become the, and Bopana becomes the oldest man in the open era to win a major men's doubles title. 43 years old. And on top of that, he will become 
the oldest number one in the Pepperstone ATP doubles rankings on Monday. Number one in the world at 43 years old. Thanks for still playing, Rohan. Thanks for still giving us some entertainment. Fun to watch. Awesome to watch. I mean, the dude, 43 years old. Could you imagine playing on hard tennis courts at 43 years old and winning tournaments and becoming number one in the world? Wild. Let's go to women's doubles, and we'll get through this, and then we'll get out of here because I know you guys are probably sick of hearing me talk. Elise Mertens wins another doubles title. Elise Mertens, fun fact, in 2019, Elise Mertens and Arena Sabalenka, I believe, won the U.S. Open women's title. And this year at the Australian Open, they both win. One wins doubles, one wins singles. Interesting fact. Not that you care, but I'll tell you anyway. Mertens and her doubles partner, Sue Shea, are the doubles women's doubles champions at the Australian Open. Elise Mertens has really come on as one of the best women's doubles players on planet Earth. She's playing really, really well. They were the number two seed, and they won 6-1-7-5 in the final. So I know you expect greatness out of those two now, but you definitely got it. And Sue Shea actually won, was part of the mixed doubles champion as well. And so winning is what she does. Let's just put it that way. Winning is what she does. When you're looking at the Australian Open as a whole, this is my last little tidbit. When you look at Grand Slam tournaments, everyone talks about the Super Bowl. Everyone talks about the Masters. Everyone talks about you know the NBA Finals and the World Series and the viewership they get. I'm going to leave you with this. Over 1 million fans, I believe it was 1.1 to be exact, came through the gates at Melbourne Park over the last 15 days. Over 1 million fans showed up to watch tennis at Melbourne Park at the Australian Open. On TV, more than 2 billion, around 2 billion fans tuned in around the world to watch. One of the greatest global sports in the history of sports. Has people from all over, has people that watch from all over. So many different languages in the locker room, and there's so many different corners of the earth that are deeply invested in Grand Slam tennis tournaments. The viewership, the engagement, and the product, and the power that a Grand Slam tennis tournament has is unmatched. Starting the year 2024 with one of the best tournaments ever with the Australian Open. I thought it was fantastic. I thought they did a really nice job. And especially getting that viewership and that commitment when Rafa's not there is very, very impressive. Yannick Sinner's your winner. Arena Sabalenka is your winner. Thank you for listening. We're going to get to a pod here in the next week or so where we're going to unravel everything that comes after the Australian Open. But that's the final, and those are your winners. A historic 15 days down under. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you for listening, and we'll see you in about a week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.